Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. National Treasure, you guys know it's a clip? On my top ten list, probably for sure, movies, I dig National Treasure. And I saw it for the first time by myself. We were traveling Thanksgiving weekend at my sister's. We were going to see my sister and her family for Thanksgiving. On the way down, I heard about this, this movie on the, on, uh, the radio as we were traveling. I got there, sister and some females from her, uh, my, my uh, wife and daughters and my sister and some females from her in-laws all took off to go see some production. Like, I don't know, it was Disney on Ice or something. I don't know what I don't know. It was something a guy I'm going to go see. And so I was kind of stuck. And if you guys know me, bro, I've never been called to children's ministry. And there's a reason for that, I suppose. I don't, I don't know. But after a few days of hanging out with my, 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 my sister's kids, honestly, I wasn't about to spend a whole Friday evening in the house. And so there was a Chick-fil-A uh, nearby. And uh, I, 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 near this mall, and so I'm like, I'm just out. I just checked out. Everybody else is gone. I'm gone too. Choo. And so I went to Chick Fil A, and right there at, near, near the Chick Fil A was this mall. And they up on the marquee, I saw the words for the, the movie theater. I saw National Treasure. I'm like, dude, I'm so in. And so I sat there by myself in Greenwood, South Carolina, in a dark movie theater, and watched this movie. And I remember that line. If the status quo doesn't change, basically he says, we're going to die. And I remember those words reverberating in my heart. And like today would be like this. About a year ago, I went to, uh, we went on, went on vacation to Florida. And I w- as I was there kind of just trying to decompress and just kind of be away from things, I felt like uh, the Lord began to speak to me throughout that week. And to the point where I was just kind of ravaged by the heart of God, by the mind of God. And we were on our way home. My wife was driving. We were up driving up I-75. And one space in particular, I can remember the Lord was just really speaking to me. And I was bawling, sitting in the pastor's seat. And we were playing a playlist. It was like every song had some kind of significance. We got home really, le- really early in the morning on Sunday. And so somebody was scheduled to preach here. And so we just kind of laid low like we did last week and, and didn't come. And I turned on, uh, I got on my Roku, on my, on my TV, we've got the New Life, or not New Life, uh, North Point app, and so you can watch like what's going on North Point Church in, in Atlanta live, and so I clicked it on, and Andy Stanley is preaching live at his church, and he says, this is kind of like a standalone message, and if this is the message I would preach to you, I would, this, is what I, this message is what I'd say to you, if me as your pastor, if you and I could just sit down and have coffee together. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And he began to talk. And it was almost as if he was sitting in the car with me Saturday night. And I was like, he's in Atlanta. I'm in Ohio on my couch. And and I felt like God began to speak to me. And this, this is kind of that message for you guys. Like I had a whole series I was working on, and I just felt like early this week, like I that was I wasn't supposed to start that yet. And so, like midweek, I'm I'm trying to figure out what God's trying to say and what He wants what what He wants to challenge us about. So this is this is kind of like from my heart to your heart. Okay, are you with me on that? And I even told I still am kind of unsettled about it. I didn't even know what how the service would go today. I, we were I was way open to man. If we blew it out with worship, I'd just gonna go that way. But apparently, you know, God wants to wants to say this. Um, 
status quo. Can I say something? I hate stagnation. You know, you guys already know I have a hard time sitting on this stool, don't I? Huh? I I I I, I hate feeling stuck. And I want to say this, I, there is no way on this God's green earth I want to live a mediocre life. I, I, oh my gosh, the thought of that just drives me crazy. I hate, I hate status quo. I mean, I hate it. I, 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 none of my, no, no day on my, on my calendar is ever really the same, and I can't sit in an office all day. I, can't, I mean, it just drives me crazy. But you know what I do? I do find myself often leaning into it. Anybody ever got there? Just, just lean, just leaning into status quo, right? Just, just leaning into it. And I think many of us, we just, we do, we just get stuck in it. We, we just get stuck. Being, we, we often, we often choose. Uh, 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 what's the word I want to say? We often choose the, the, the path of least resistance. That's easy. We, we often choose uh, the, 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 a life of ease. We often make choices based on convenience. And we often arrange things so stuff is just easy and we can get into our little flow and we just go there. Am I right? And, 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 and that, that, that status quo. But I, I want to say this to you today numerous times. I'll say it over and over again probably. Saying no to the status quo. That's how life from God flows. God's outside of normal. He, he is outside of natural. He's outside of easy. He's outside of, of comfortable. He's outside of convenient. He's outside of that. You can't read through the scriptures and find any life that God intervened upon and it just stayed the same. It doesn't happen. Vocabulary.com says, says this about the status. The status quo is the current state of things. And I love what they said here. If you're rich and admired, then you're probably not interested in disrupting the status quo. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The crazy thing is, uh, people and organizations and, and ministries, and I can put a lot of things there, there's, ne- there's no, such thing to them as th- no such thing to them as something that's already as good as it's going to ever get. They're, they're never okay with how things are. There's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. There's always room to grow. Status quo is Latin, vocabulary.com says, for the existing state. When we talk about the status quo, we often mean it in a slightly bad way. When people want to maintain the status quo, they are often resistant to progress. I like this next line. If you run for mayor of your town and come into office with all sorts of new ideas, watch out. People may resent you for disrupting the status quo. And I'll put in there, that's good for any leadership position. I, I have served as a pastor of this church now for a little over 11 years. And, 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 and as, we, as that, that transition happened, uh, we began to make some changes and people got fired up. And the crazy thing about it was, about a year prior to that transition happening, our former pastor and I began to have conversations about changing the status quo of how Church Triumphant was functioning at the time. 
And then for several months, we, we talked and hung out. We went to a conference, came back. He, he, he and myself, my wife and his wife, would meet weekly about what God might be doing about Church Triumphant as it moves forward. And then in December that year, he was diagnosed with cancer for the last time, died in February, and we picked up that list, and we moved with it, and I got accused of messing things up. And all I did was take the list we were already making and start implementing it. That's all I did. And because it was pushing the envelope and it was changing things a little bit and making things a little bit different, it was, it was frustrating for people. And, and, and I think we've got, we've, got to, we've got to get back to understanding that status quo is nowhere to live because status quo is where you are stagnant and forward you won't go. Status quo is where you don't grow. Status quo is where you don't know what you don't know. And status quo is where no life flows. Things just become normal. I'm going to do something a little different just to shake it up a little bit because I just like doing that. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. We're going to read a piece of scripture this morning. No cruise control today, baby. The Lord's going to be on the screen, I think. Are they, sir? Philippians 3, is it there? Yes. 12, I think it is, really. Yeah, look at, look at those words. Can you, can you guys say those with me? I'm going to say it. One, two. Three, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. You be seated. Say no to the status quo. Right here, Paul says these things. I have already, I don't think I've already achieved these things. And what he's talking about is his resume, things he's accomplished. And he says, I don't, I don't think I've already reached them, but I press on. You know what he's saying? I'm pressing on beyond the status quo. In verse 3, he says this. We rely on what Christ has done for us. And he says this. We put no confidence in human effort. So what he's saying here is not that I can do something to keep myself out of it. What he's saying is I'm leaning hard and heavy on this person named Jesus who rose from the dead. He was so strong and so powerful that, that, that he overcame everything, even death, and I'm pressing into him. It's not my effort Paul's talking about that makes the difference. It's my willingness to be connected to him and allow him to do the work he wants to do in me. Paul would say in verse 11, I want to be associated with the fellowship of his sufferings. How many of y'all are signing up for that gig? Huh? Verses 5 through 7, Paul writes a list of things he's done. And when he gets to the end of verse 7, he says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Paul was kind of a bold dude, man. And that word worthless probably doesn't mean much to you. 
Some commentators say Paul, some, some translations use the word, if you go back to the King James Version of the Bible, the word dung. I counted all as dung. Some, yes, some commentators believe he wasn't just saying the, the nice word there, that he was being profane on purpose. Because he was saying, listen, we, that, that's how bad it stinks. Are you hearing me? Like that he was, he, was, he was like, this is garbage. Where I'm at, what I've done means nothing compared to where God's taking me. It means nothing compared to what he wants to do. What he's, all, he, he, he's got more. And I, 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 this, all this, and it's nothing. And, and, and he wants to grow and he wants to be what God wants to be. He, he talks about pressing on. This is the, the, the Greek word dioko. And it, it means, listen to these words, to put to flight, to pursue, even to persecute, to run after, to seek after. There's nothing stagnant. There's nothing normal. He is running a hard race. He is chasing after something. And he refuses to let whatever happened today or yesterday get in the way of where he's going and what he's doing. A little bit later, he says, looking forward. This word is the Greek word epic, I can't even pronounce it, epictino, I think. And it means stretching forward. And what I read here was it's a metaphor probably from the foot race. So what you think, and it says not a chariot race. In a foot race, when you're running and you're about to reach the line, you start to go like this. And so, uh, Bengal paraphrased like this. The eye goes before and draws on the hand. I'm looking forward. My hand begins to reach out. And the hand goes before and draws on the foot. In other words, where I'm at right now, I can't even keep up with the pace. I'm reaching, and I keep, it's pulling me further and further forward. I can't stay where I am. I can't live back there in the back. i got to move forward. For some of us like Paul, our success is the fetters around our necks. We, we want to stay with what we've been comfortable with, what we've done well, what, we, what we've accomplished. And, and, and Paul's like, scratch up, tear up that resume, be done with it. Some of us, it's the other thing. Some of us, it's really difficult, ugly, bad things hanging around our neck, and it holds us stuck, not even in today. We're still back there somewhere. And Paul says this, we need to stretch forward out of where we are, where we've been, and move into something new, something different. And, that, and this is a guy, listen, the guy pinning these words is at the moment he's pinning those words, he's writing scripture. And if he hasn't arrived, listen, none of the rest of us have either. If, if he had reason to keep moving forward, to keep stretching, then every one of us in this room, no matter where we are, we don't pray enough. We don't seek God enough. We don't have enough love quotes in our lives. We don't have enough grace and mercy in our lives. We don't spend enough time understanding what he wants from us. We're just not. And because we're stuck with what we are doing or have done, and he's like, no, dude, there's so much more. Does God use the word dude? I think he probably does because he needs to get a cold of a guy like me. Straining forward. Moving forward. Saying no to the status quo is where life from God flows. you got to say no to what's normal. Say no to what you're used to. Say no to just being stagnant. Say no to cruise control. Saying no means this. You know there is more space to grow. That's what Paul says in verse 12. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. There's some reason God got a hold of me, and I can't figure it out just yet. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to keep running the race. I'm going to keep going forward. 
Romans 8.28 is often, I think, a misunderstood or misquoted piece of scripture. And it reads like this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God or are called according to his purpose for them. I've heard a lot of us use things like, you know, I got up late, and so when I, when I, when I drove to work, that, this one parking space is never, and I, now everything was working for my good, brother. I'm not sure that's exactly a good uh, theological interpretation of that piece of Scripture. And I'll tell you why. Because he, the next thing he says is, For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. The word become inclines that there's some process of change going on. And so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And so there's, again, this idea of movement forward, this idea of movement ahead. And having called them to come to him, he gave them right standing with himself and given them And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. See, God's heart is not that you get a good parking space. His heart is that the things going on in your life would would cause you to change, to become more like Jesus, so he can trust you more with the glory of God to be on your life. Not not about a parking space. No, no, not about that, that kind of thing. It is about you going through some things that shave off the rough edges. That, that, that put pressure so you are formed and shaped into the light of his God. Why? Because God wants to put his glory upon you so that others, that this world would know who he was. That's why. See, saying no, that's where life is. Saying no to the status quo is, where life, is how life from God flows. Some things happen, and they're not good things, and they're not fun things, and they're not great things, but they are the things God's using right now to bring transformation and change, and we never get done with that process. Not so long as we are here. Not so long as we're on this side of the equation. Not so long as, as we're not six feet under or in heaven. That this is, We are always constantly in a state of change. Always. Have to be. If, you, if you're not moving forward, you're usually heading backwards. If you're not being proactive about your faith, you're usually losing some of it somewhere along the line and getting discouraged and getting frustrated and getting tired. And there's this idea of, of uh, you, you, can, you can transgress, which means you, you move forward and step over a line you shouldn't step over, and you can digress, which means you're heading in a certain direction and you get diverted, but you just won't ever just grass. No such thing as aggression. There's even aggression, which means you have an enemy who's trying to push against your aggressing. Right? Against your movement forward, right? And so, but there's no such thing as grass. You never went, dude, I had such a great grass today, dude. It was awesome. Me and a few of my buddies uh, have t- taken up a working out on Friday morning in this boxing class, man. And I'm going to tell you, there's no room for grassing in that class. No room for grassing. And this constant movement for an hour. And then you know what I did last week? I, I worked out at that boxing class for a solid hour. I hadn't recovered. And then we went straight out to like in the evening to getting things ready for that wedding thing. And then we worked all day at the wedding thing. And then I square danced for two and a half hours. And I got to tell you right now, the aggression was on. I mean, my legs hurt. My 
my knee, my, I don't know, I never had my knees feel like that. I mean, knees are joints, right? And joints feel a certain way when you overexert them. My knees felt like muscle soreness. I don't even know how that happens. I'm like, Rachel, she's like, what? I said, they're not popping and cracking like arthritis. They're sore like muscles. I don't know, how, how is a knee sore like a muscle? I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea what I did to myself. You know what, you know what it was? I was, I was I'm, I'm trying to move forward. And it, it hurts. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world. You know what that is? That's status quo. But let God, listen to the words Paul uses, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Listen, if you get into a place of status quo, the, the will of God will become very foggy, very vague. If you're in a constant state of learning who Christ is, coming in close relationship to him, of allowing his word to speak to you, of engaging him in prayer, of engaging him in worship, of engaging him in your decision-making process, it, there may be seasons and times where things aren't like you'd like them to be, but trust me, you're going to keep them unfold for you as you walk forward what he wants for you. But a sure way to not know is to just get in status quo cruise control mode, man. That's, that, 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 that's where you end up and like, oh, I don't know where I'm going. You guys ever take off in a car? How, guys have done this before. You ever take off in a car when something's not going very well? And before you know it, you're somewhere and it takes you a whole lot longer to get home than you thought was going to? You ever have that, you ever have that argument with your wife? Huh? Huh? He didn't know where you was going. You weren't committed to nothing. And, and, and can I say something to you? As long as we're on that track, can I say something to you? I love this lady, you know, very much. We're trying to help some couples get, on, get their, own, their stuff together in their marriage. And guess what? Last night, me and her, we came to an impasse. And I'm not sure whose fault it was. I don't know whether it was that she didn't communicate very well or I didn't hear things correctly. But somewhere, we ended up at an impasse. And if we're not... <laughs> and if we're not careful, that impasse turns into status quo. And if that status quo rests long enough, suddenly we're going no place really fast. And suddenly our kids are suffering. Suddenly our ministry is suffering. Suddenly the people around us who are looking are suffering because we don't know what we're doing. You know what she did last night? I'm just going to give her kudos. Right as we're going to bed, I said, she was... Babe, I'm sorry that I maybe frustrated you or, you know, I didn't mean to. And I'm like, listen, um, I don't know whose fault it was, but I'm sorry, too. And so let's just get on down the road and be done with that. You know, we kind of taught our kids not to say it's okay when they're in an impasse with their, kid, with their siblings. Because it's not okay. That's why it's a problem. You utter words like, I forgive you. When you ask for forgiveness, you don't say it's okay. It's not okay. So, so what happens with us as human beings, we get into status quo because we try to make things okay that aren't okay. And we just want to sweep it underneath the rug like it, like it never happened. 
We don't want to deal with it. We want to progress forward. We don't want to increase our character out of it. We just want to kind of, we just want to, you know, just try to come to where we are. And we end up in a dead spot. If we don't change the status quo, we die. That's what Ben Gates' dad said. We're going to die if we don't change the status quo. We don't alter it. So saying no means you know his mission makes everything new. Verse 13 says this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The past has two things in it. The past has really awesome things, and the past has really bad things. And if we, don't, if we can't get past both of them, we'll never get any place. I'll prove it to you. Isaiah 43 is a really well-known piece of Scripture, and it talks about God going through the fire and the flow with us, and it talks about him doing new things in our lives. But you've got to read the context on both sides of it. Listen to this. Verse 16 says this. I'm the Lord God who opened the way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like smoldering candle wicks. And, uh, and every Jewish person rejoices in those words. Yes, our fathers told us that God, he did that and we were his chosen people and they were they were stuck at the Red Sea still and they didn't realize it because the next words are what Isaiah writes but forget all that a major accomplishment my fear is sometimes God gets us through certain things that are awful and excruciating and instead of continuing to grow we go oh boy I'm glad that's over that was awesome man God's good Man, I'm not stuck on that stuff anymore. I'm, I don't do that kind of thing anymore. I'm good. Man, me and my wife, we just finally got things together. Whew. And we think we've arrived somehow. Like, it's all good now. And God's like, no, 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 no. He goes, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun, and the word begun inclines that it's a starting point, not an ending point. You get that? It's a process of continual transformation, of change continually happening. We're not at the end. We're at the beginning. You get that? Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Some of you have gotten status quo. You're in a place where you're like, man, it just feels dry. It feels awful. It feels horrible. It feels ugly. I can't get any place. He said, but God said this, I will create rivers in that place, in the dry wastelands. And then he, he, he converts the point for us. Watch this. The white animals of the fields will thank me. The jackals and the owls too. What are you saying? All of those creatures that he just listed were unclean creatures to the children of Israel. They couldn't touch them. God wants you out of the status quo because there's some untouchables in your life that need to see the grace of God at work. And if you just get stuck in your rut, they're never going to drink the living water of Jesus. If you just, it's us four and no more, and my family's good, and my prayer life's okay, and my bank account looks all right, and I'm okay, and I'm just, I'm just good where I'm at. Listen, God's plan for you is not that you be okay. It's that you be okay, and then you bring somebody else out of not okayness into okayness. Are you hearing me? And he, he, he goes on to say, I mean, I'm just so, I'm wound up, aren't I? I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. When you are not okay with the status quo, you find refreshing. When you're okay with just walking where you're walking, you evaporate. You dry up. You get in the spot of just being whatever. 
He said, I have made Israel for myself. They will someday honor me before the whole world. His plan is not just for you to be blessed. His plan is for you to grow to become like Christ so he can share his glory upon you and that other people come to walk with Jesus and know Jesus and grow with Jesus. And he uses you in their process of continual change and transformation. That's his plan. And not just a little bit, not just Green Township, not just Kingston, not just Ross County or Chillicothe, but the whole world is the plan. The whole world. Saying no to the status quo is how life from God flows. Saying no means you know there are others who need to be reached. Paul writes in verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Where's the end of the race? Anybody know where the end of the race is? Some of you are going to say heaven. Some of you are going to say death. Some of you are going to say heaven. Patrick told us what the end of the race was last week. He preached on a uh, series of, of, of verses from Matthew 28. Jesus says the end of the race is that we would make disciples of all nations. Matthew 24, Jesus says these words. The end is not yet. The end will not come until this gospel is preached to the ends of the earth. You know why we're still here? You know why we're still in this mode? Because the gospel, there's still yet people who don't know Jesus. And some of them live across the street. Some of them live in tribes where they don't have a Bible in their language. Some of them are people who've had such a bad taste of Christianity because they've had some religious folks in their lives who would rather them uh, toe a certain line than really know Jesus. And he's looking for you to be flesh in their life that exudes the mercy, the grace, and the truth of Jesus all at the same time so that they come to know who Christ is. That's what he wants. That's the end of the road. The, the, the prize Paul is chasing after is that. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says this, So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. If I get in evaluating my life and other people in a point of view, at a human point of view, I will get into a status quo way of looking at things. But if I go on beyond that, he said, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But how differently we know him now. In other words, change has happened. I'm seeing Christ in a different light than I saw him before. He's continuing to show himself to me. I'm continuing to understand who he is. I'm growing. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, again, a, a transformational moment, a new person. The old life is gone. And there's three words. And a new life has begun. Not ended at that moment begun at that moment. That's not the end of the road. Human effort, it's God's work who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. We plead, come back to God. Again, that's all a process. That's movement. That's action. That's not stagnation. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so we could be made right with God through Christ. And that's the message we bear. And that's the end of the line. Nothing else supersedes that, nor is anything else the completion before we get to that. 1 Corinthians 9.24 reads like this. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but one person gets the prize? He goes, so run to win. There's an exclamation point there. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. 
They do it to win a prize that will fade away. Let me talk to some people who are more maybe, you know, athletic-minded, right? And when I say the name Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Michael Jordan, Golden State Warriors, Dabo Sweeney, what, what, what comes to mind? Champions. No matter, where, no matter where they've been, it's still not enough. No matter how many championships they get, it's still not enough. No matter, no matter what they do, they don't feel like they've arrived, like they've perfected what they're doing. They feel like they, that, that tomorrow they've got to get up again tomorrow and go after it again. And then Paul will say here, they're doing that to get a prize that fades away. And that's what he, that's what he, listen to what he says about us. Listen to these words. But we do it for an eternal prize. So Paul says, he uses that vernacular of stretching. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. See, there's, some of you feel like you've already done enough for Jesus. And Can I encourage you guys to do something? Some of you need to go home today. Wherever your trophy shelf is, get a box and go like this. Boom, and just sling it off of there. Just get them. Because you'll get stuck thinking you've already done enough. You've already accomplished the goal. Already got it done. And listen, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. The word training involved in that word in 1 Corinthians 9 means there's a process of continual growth, continual strengthening, continual renewal. That There's this thing. And we as Christians, above all, should be people who are constantly being renewed day after day after day. Saying no means you know to be alive is to change continually. Listen to verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Almost sounds like Paul's being a little bit confident right there, right? Like he's nailed this. He just said he didn't. He's like, listen, you guys disagree here. God will make it plain that you're missing the boat, right? But we must hold on to the progress we've already made because here's how we hang on to the progress we made. We keep progressing. We keep growing. We keep moving. I'll prove it to you. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul writes these words. So all of us who have... Had the veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. That's the plan, that we reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, listen to these words, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. No arrival point. No place where we make it and everything's good. No place that that place does not exist. Some translations say there, God's changing us from glory to glory. Saying no to the status quo is where life from God flows. That's how, that's how it gets into our lives. So what's the idea? You have to change to overcome the status quo. Paul, Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.9, he says, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. 
For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So there's this movement, right? This transformation, this, this change happening. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. There's a, there's a translation, a, a change happening there. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And he says, here's the warning. He's, he offers a warning. Dear friends, I warn you. Because of all that. Because you've already received mercy, because you've already been come out of darkness into light, because you, you were once not a people, not a people of God, you can get really careful where you are. He goes, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. The status quo, the nudge to stay status quo is waging sore soul war against your very soul right now. Some of, you, some of you right now are kind of anxious and kind of like, what is Darren saying? Where is he going? What's he talking about? And, and some of you may be getting angry and frustrated. That's your soul at war with your spirit right now going, I kind of like where I am. What's he talking about? Life's good. Things are great. No, it's waging war. You're, you're in war for your spiritual life right now. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors because that's the point, right? That's the price. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they think you are crazy weird for all the changes you keep making in your life. They will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. The word temporary residents and foreigners, in some translations, is translated as sojourners. Sojourn is both a verb and a noun. The verb says this, to reside temporarily. You know what temporarily means? Subject to change. You can use the word sojourned. Sojourning, sojourns. The noun means this, a temporary stay. A brief period of residence. In other words, you don't stay any place for very long. It infers, this, this terminology Peter uses infers change continually. It infers movement continually. It infers transition continually. It infers transformation continually. It infers that. There's a warning attached to it from Peter. See, we are to be those who say no to status quo and live a life of truly being alive. We're the ones who are supposed to be changed and transition wherever we go, wherever. And that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Go and make disciples. That means we are to be not status quo people. We are to be change agents. That our families change. That we change, that our workplaces change, that our neighborhoods change, that our community change. That our, why? Because we are in a constant state of becoming more and more like Christ and ensuring that others come to know him and begin the same process. So, so how, how do you do that? All of us, every one of us in the room have to do this. We have to say yes to being a sojourner and say no to status quo. And saying yes to being a sojourner is this, choosing growth over stagnation. When you look at what, what's in front of you today, which things make you stagnated and which things will help you grow? Choose the things that make you grow. What does else it mean? It means saying yes, you, you choose the mission. So renewal comes to you and to other people. 
When you have to make a decision today about whether you're going to be on mission or just do something normal, do the thing that requires you to be on mission. Have the conversation with the waitress today that ensures Jesus gets brought into the conversation, not just eating lunch. When it comes to seeing your neighbor mowing the grass, choose the mission over talking about the weather. Use the weather if you want to to start the conversation. Don't let it end there. I, don't, I really don't know my neighbors. Shame on you. And I said, I'm going to leave it. Shame on you. I heard a well-known speak preacher the other day, a piece of video, where he talked about not wanting to get on a plane because he thought being around those people would not make him ready to preach when he got where he was going. And I thought to my, and if I mentioned his name, all of you would know him. And I thought to myself, and that's how he justified owning a, a Learjet. And I thought to myself, dude, you have forgotten why you're supposed to be preaching the gospel anyplace. It's so those people can know about Jesus, bro. I thought, my gosh, we have so lost it. It's craziness, man. I think, dude, that. You have to choose those in need, those who need transformation. You have to choose for them what you're going to do with your life. You've got to choose change so you can truly be alive. Because if you're not, you're just in stagnation. You're going the other way. You're not grass, you, you, there's no place to grass. You only progress or regress. You got me? So today, you've got to be sitting here right now. Going, what do I need to change today? How do I progress today? How do I move forward today? How do I, how do I change? What do I, what do I need to ask God? I need to ask God right now what he's in on so I can get in on it. What does he want to do in my life? Because it's not about my effort as much as it's me yielding to him to do what he wants to do. You get what I'm saying? And if I don't make space for him, all he's asking me to do is make space for him. When I make space for him, I grow in him, and then suddenly he can use my heart, he can use my mind, he can use my time, he can use my car, he can use my checkbook, he can use my whatever to get what he wants to get done done. He can use my phone, he can use whatever. He can use my computer, he can, he can, he can use my, my energy, he can use my love, he can use whatever I've got at my... He can suddenly use it and change me and change others. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.